Happy Monday, hockey fans. Erica L. Ayala here, and we have a squad cast because on Friday, the Seattle Kraken and the Columbus Blue Jackets made a trade. So Jay Foster is here with us. We're going to talk about the good, the bad, the ugly, who knows, about the trade and everything you need to know about the Kraken and Columbus Blue Jackets coming up on this episode of Locked on Kraken. You are locked on Kraken. Your daily podcast on the Seattle Kraken. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are the Seattle Kraken. Jay. Thank you so much for joining me again on Locked on Kraken. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Uh, Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts and where this podcast starts, Jay, is with the trade. All right. So tell us, tell us about this forward that we just got from, from your team. <laughs> oh, man. You, you have got a special guy in in Oliver Bjorkstrand um I knew the Blue Jackets had to trade someone I had a small sinking feeling that it might be Bjorkstrand I was really hoping it wasn't but turns out sometimes when you surprise land a star like Johnny Gaudreau you've got to do some kind of cat magic to make uh, to make it fit unfortunately Bjorkstrand was the was the casualty um and I think the fact that the Blue Jackets fan base as a whole is upset by this trade I think should probably excite Kraken fans. Um, for a long time, Bjorkstrand was maybe the best player on the on the Blue Jackets. Um, he is, I think, one of the most underrated players. You know, he's a guy that I don't think gets as much credit as he should. Um, he's not really someone that, like, you know, in the past few years, it's been oh, Artemi Panarin was the big name, and then Pierre Luc Dubois was the big name. Cam Atkinson was a big name, and then they got Patrick Laine. That was, you know, the big star name. And behind all of those guys, we've just kind of had Oliver Bjorkstrand just chugging away quietly, uh, being one of the most quietly dynamic uh, players on the team. He's elite defensively. Um, you know, I've uh, we've seen a lot of stats from um, specifically Mike Blake McCurdy's stats uh, to talk about his um, offensive game, his defensive game. Uh, he's got a wicked shot. He's going to score probably thirty goals for you guys this season. Um, he's. I just, uh, you know, you said at the top of the show, the good, the bad, and the ugly about this trade. I don't think there is any bad or ugly in this trade for the Kraken anyway. Like he's. He's a phenomenal player. He's not a superstar, I don't think, but he makes every player that he plays with better. He makes your team better every time he steps on the ice. Um, and we're really going to miss him here in Columbus. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, that sounds pretty good. And just to button up the details here, this happened on Friday, 27-year-old Oliver Bjorkstrand from the Columbus Blue Jackets. And we gave you a 2023 third round pick that we acquired from Calgary and a 23 fourth round pick that we originally got from the Jets. We over here in Krakenland heard from our GM. We're excited to welcome Oliver to our organization. He's coming off a career year offensively playing top minutes in Columbus. 
he or his creativity and hockey sense will be good additions to our forward group. So that's what that's what Ronnie Boy is saying. And as you mentioned, you said he could score 30 for us. He, as was in the press release, had his best numbers, 57 points overall, 28 of those were uh, goals, 29 assists. Um, so let's now, now that I, I've given the fans a recap on the terms, how are you feeling about these terms? <laughs> not, uh, not super great. Um, in a vacuum, this trade is bad for Columbus. Honestly, like Oliver Bjorkstrand is worth more than that. Like I would, I hope that the Blue Jackets could maybe have gotten a second round pick. I don't think they would have gotten a first from anyone for him, but I could, I would have hoped for a second round pick at least. However, every single GM in this league knew that Yama Kekalainen needed to trade someone. He needed to shift salary. Uh, literally two hours before the trade, they signed uh, Patrick Laine to a four-year deal, 8.7 million AAV, I believe. And that was the point at which I was like, right, someone's, someone's leaving this team fairly soon um and i don't know i don't have any doubt that this was not plan a i think that they tried to move other salaries i think they probably tried to move gus nyquist who has i think 5.4 million left for this season uh i could believe that they would have tried to move jake voracek who has two years left at eight point something but bjorkstrand is younger he has more upside uh, he signed longer term, so there's going to be no negotiations to deal with for the next, I think, four years he's got he's uh, signed for. So at the end of the day, this was this was Yamakakalainen making the best of a bad situation. And honestly, if you kind of if you if you look at it, what what they did was they got Johnny Gaudreau for and two draft picks for Oliver Bjorkstrand. Mm. You know, because they didn't give anything up for Johnny Gaudreau. And as much as I love Bjorkstrand, of those three players, Gaudreau, Line A, Bjorkstrand, Bjorkstrand is the player that I would give up as much as, like, as much as that hurts emotionally. Like, and that's the thing, like, from a business point of view, like, I have no problem with this trade. From an emotional point of view, this trade is bad and I hate it because he was one of my favorite players. He, made, he was so fun to to watch, so... Yeah, and I appreciate you providing that because, of course, you know, the Twitterverse and the rest of social media had their way and saying that the Blue Jackets got absolutely fleeced here. But as you as you put it, you know, when you think about the assets that they acquired in free agency and or were trying to keep throughout free agency, I think this was what needed to be done. And if we go over to Cap Friendly and just take a look at where Columbus is at, I mean, at least from these projections, you might still have some work to do um, as far as, you know, looking at where you want this team to be. I mean, we're in a completely different situation. We have cap space. We have a roster that we got to see. Honestly, on paper, it's even hard to differentiate what they're going to be. But, um, you know, we have the space and we have draft picks, as we saw in this deal, to play with. But give me a sense, Jay, of when you look at kind of the the, the cap hit at 83, almost basically 83.5, and you still probably are a little bit in the red when it comes to cap space available. Are there other things that you think Columbus can do, should do, will do to be in the clear when it comes to the salary cap? 
Yeah, I think it's a tough one. There's definitely there is salary to shed. Um, so this this cap number up here looks like we're just under a million over the the cap at the minute. However, that is including um, there are three goalies on the roster right now, uh, including Daniil Tarasov, who is probably going to get sent down. He's making about a million this next season. So there's a million gone off the cap. Um, and I believe I haven't counted, but there are. I think 16 forwards currently in that cap hit. So I would look at, for at least three of those to uh, to disappear or, or get sent down or whatever. So there's, you know, at least another 1.5 million. Uh, they've probably got some stuff to shift off of defense as well. Like it's, it could be worse. I'm not super happy <laughs> about the, the cap situation, but... Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I think it's probably going to look a lot different by training camp. Um, I wish they hadn't gone out and signed Eric Branson for $4 million. Like, I would have really liked that $4 million to, I don't know, keep Oliver Bjorkstrand or have a little <laughs> bit more wiggle room in terms of picking up a center. I think that the Blue Jackets still need at least one middle six center, if not a top six center. But as it, as it stands, like, this feels like... This is about as good as the cap situation was going to be, um, especially considering Wierenski's extension kicks in this season, so that's just over 9.5. Obviously, we're paying Goudreau just under $10 million a season, and with Patrick Laine and uh, Jake Varchek coming in at uh, over $8.5 million, it, uh, it could be a lot worse, I think. I'm not, like I said, I'm not, not super happy. But it could be it could be a lot worse, you know. We could be the Vegas Golden Knights, for example. Oh yeah, about that. But uh, all right, so I want to get into this a little bit more, and being you know the GM perspective uh, from both sides. Um, and so we're going to talk about that. Jay, you're going to stick around for this episode of Locked On Kraken. So coming up next, we're going to continue talking about this trade, Oliver Bjorkstrand to the Seattle Kraken from the Columbus Blue Jackets. All right, we mentioned Bet Online J at the top of the show. It's a great sponsor for us here. And, um, you know, Bet Online is where you can find anything that you need for your, for your bets, odds, all of the stuff. I've been keeping, I don't know about you, Jay, but especially how the Seattle Kraken finished the season, I've been looking actually at the future bets. And after getting Shane Wright in the draft, we moved up a whole spot. So we are not second to last in the Stanley Cup odds anymore. And I am happy about that. Uh, but Listen, of course, you take you can... the wins where you can get them. <laughs> exactly. Oh, you better believe we will. But of course, you can also track MLB odds, NBA, and even your favorite combat sports. So head to Bet Online today and use your mobile device, your tablet, whatever you got to learn more about the action happening. Bet online is where the game starts. Okay, Jay. So we've we've talked about what this trade looks like as far as um, you know what were the terms and what each team was looking at. Obviously, with the Seattle Kraken, as I kind of joked in our Bet Online read, we didn't finish last, but we were pretty close. <laughs> we were pretty close, and the predictions and projections again, like. Um, at places, I should say, like Bet Online, are not really giving us any grace. 
with some of the moves that we've made. And I think that's because, and we've talked about this a lot on Locked on Kraken, but I think we're still playing this conservative game. And what we've heard from Ron Francis is that in getting Shane Wright and all of the drama that happened in the entry draft, that did change some things, especially at the center position, because now the Seattle Kraken believe they have not one, but two players that they've been able to get in their first two drafts that they think can be foundational to this franchise, that being Maddie Beneers and Shane Wright. So looking at the terms of free agents that were out there, or even some of our RFAs, Brian Donato, we still love you. I don't, I don't know what, what Ronnie is doing, but Donnie is our boy forever. Anyway, I just had to put that in there, but um, you know, I think there's a little bit of, putting all your, not all of our chips, because we still have a, a decent amount of cap space, but definitely not wanting to spend too much early and in this second season to then make space um, down the road for these these young guys. And then also, you know, I think that we were really looking at, so in free agency, we were looking at essentially bridge guys, right? We know we're going to need, you talked about goalies. We know we're going to need some goalies in our system, not only because we have a whole AHL team that's about to start our inaugural season of the Firebirds, but also not only is Chris Jeeger injured and we're lucky if we get him back in March, but even when we did have him, he was in and out of the lineup. You know, you scratch some of that off at the top of the season because of COVID, and hopefully we won't see exits because of COVID this season, although who the heck knows. But but the guy wasn't really healthy. He couldn't stay healthy. So I think it's this balancing act, and it's a little bit difficult to gauge whether Ron Francis is like hashtag winning or not. And I don't know that we're going to know anytime soon, especially if, you know, the the silver dollars, so to speak, of our of our roster are young guys. Yeah, I mean, goalies are, goalies are voodoo, first and foremost. <laughs> like, you, you, you never know what you're going to get with a goalie until they go out there, you know? Like, sometimes everyone was really surprised when Philip Grubauer had a really poor start to the season. Um, conversely, Martin Jones, who you guys signed in free agency, there was a lot of, oh, God, not Martin Jones. Uh, he was very He was very poor with the Sharks. He was very good when he was with the LA Kings a million years ago in like 20 I think 2015 was when they was when they traded him um he was pretty good on a very bad Philadelphia team last season you know so you could Martin Jones could be could be a surprise uh a surprise addition there I still think Grubauer gets the bulk of the starts but like you said with Drieger out signing a guy like Martin Jones gives you a little bit of flexibility and this is this is important as well because it gives uh, Joey Decor some time to develop in yes. Coachella, so yeah. uh, that's that's the important thing with goalies is that they need a lot of time to develop. Um, yeah. I have seen a lot of goalies in and out of this league because they either go to the NHL too soon, teams play them too much. Like we kind of saw that with mm -hmm. Jack Campbell last year; he got thrown into this starters role for the first season, and he struggled yeah. because that's a lot to do for a first time starter um and so i am i would say quietly optimistic about the seattle kraken's goaltending uh this season especially if philip grubauer can kind of recover from his his poor start with the team 
Yeah, it was not great. He just, I kept saying this on the show, he just never looked comfortable. I never got the sense that he felt comfortable. Maybe, dare I even say, and I try not to be hyperbolic in this way, but I don't know if he was ever truly confident. I don't necessarily know if that was with his teammates. Obviously, we see that there was a goalie coach change. So obviously, there was something in the goalie core that really wasn't working, even aside from Drieger's injuries. Um, And Grubauer did have to handle the brunt and maybe not with that full expectation we had been hearing, you know, it's going to be an equitable ish split and that never transpired. Um, I'm very curious to see what's going to happen. Um, I'm, I'm eager to see which version of, of Grubauer or Jones for that matter we get. Um, we need a goalie whisper is basically what it is. Jay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's important. Goalies are like very fragile, uh, <laughs> baby animals you need to treat them with kindness and you need to make sure they have plenty of snacks and you have to make sure that they're happy um but like like i said like it it legitimately is like it's so and i've talked to a bunch of like i was talking to prospect guys about it with the draft like why were there no goalies predicted to go in the first round and no one really knows how to evaluate goaltending even the guys that are you know quote-unquote experts in this so goalies are you kind of you know you either luck into a really good goalie or you don't and then sometimes you i don't know like um for example let's uh, let's take a look at elvis muslikins uh, goalie for the the columbus blue jackets in his rookie season i think he didn't win his he lost his first nine games with the team i believe um and then he went on a run where he had five shutouts in the space of eight games you know, he wasn't very good last season. Um, you know, I'm partially giving him a pass for that, considering his best friend passed away over the summer and, you know, all of that. But sometimes goalie, some, it's so hard to predict whether a goalie is going to be good or not, because sometimes they defy expectations and, they're, you know, they decide that they're just going to drag a team to the postseason. And um, we kind of yeah. saw it with Jacob Markstrom this season in Calgary. Um, and sometimes mm-hmm. goalies against all odds are not very good which again i think we saw with grubauer people were expecting really big things from grubauer this season and uh i wonder if maybe that's a big part of it as well is you know mm-hmm. pressure on a goalie is yeah not huge because you know it's like that quote like how would you how would you like it if you went to your job and every time you did something wrong ten thousand people stood up and booed you you know like yeah. it's, a, it's a tough position to play um and i yeah. i'm a big grubauer fan i i think he will be better this season so uh, i will be uh i'll be like i said quietly quietly optimistic and rooting for uh, the kraken goalies all right fair enough and here's hoping that steve breer has a little bit of that magic we've brought him in as the new goalie coach replacing um alan so okay and also as we are recording this squad cast uh we know that morgan geeky he went into arbitration hearings, but the Seattle Kraken have agreed to terms with Morgan Geeky. He will re-up on a one-year contract. 1.4 million AAV is what we're getting there. I I don't have anything against Morgan Geeky, but I if he and Ryan Donato were sitting on a shelf and I had the choice between the two, <laughs> I personally would pick Donato, but... Ron Francis told us they didn't want to go into arbitration with Donato. They did with Geeky, and so he's around for at least one more year. Eh, we'll see. 
We'll see. It could be. It could be worse. Um, it could be worse. Yeah, like in a vacuum, I have no, no, I have no problems with the, the geeky contract. But like, I'm yeah, I'm a big Ratan Donato fan. Uh, I think he's a very underrated player uh, in Wait. in this league. And I was very surprised when the Kraken were like, mm, "We're just going to no. leave you over there now." I was like, "Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, some other team's going to snap you up then." Yeah, uh, wish him the best because I mean, like, I just don't see how there's space for Donato. I know a lot of us were holding out hope, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, anyway, that that so we wanted to deliver that news. But um, all right, coming up next, Jay, I want to go back to the deal and some of the moves that we've alluded to, but let's break them down just for Kraken fans because we don't talk about Columbus every day. <laughs> but I want to just put this into context and I'd love to get a sense of where you think Columbus is going for this season. And then I'd love to also pick your brain on what the heck Seattle can look forward to in this coming season. So we'll talk about that coming up on Locked on Kraken. All right, Jay, we're back for our uh, final final period of uh, Squadcast podcast here. We've been talking, of course, about the trade between our two teams, Oliver Bjorkstrand, for a third and fourth round pick in 2023. Seattle Kraken, like a bag of Skittles, had a bunch of picks <laughs> to deal out. Uh, you know, definitely a family-sized bag of picks we've had. <laughs> and uh, we saw that they made some moves on draft day. Um, and then, of course, in this trade. But so set us up, Jay, or walk us through how this was even a possibility for us as Kraken fans to have someone who is beloved like Bjorkstrand, who we see in, in a lot of the reporting coming from Columbus Beat reporters. I mean, I'm, I'm looking at an article from The Athletic right now, and every every report is that this was a difficult move what a move that had to be made. So what exactly does that mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, first up, in terms of the, the Skittle uh, draft picks, I just counted, even after those two, the Kraken still have 11 draft picks next year, which yep. seems, that's a, a bonkers amount. No wonder they were just like, hey, here, have a bunch, have a bunch of draft picks. We don't want them. Exactly. Um, but <laughs> yeah, I, it's been a, it's been kind of a whirlwind Two weeks? Not even two weeks. Like a week and a half for Blue Jackets fans. When was free agency? Like last Thursday? Yeah. Um, and then it was right at the very end of the of the first day of free agency was, I think it was like 4 p.m. Eastern time. They were like, hey, Columbus might be in on this Johnny Gaudreau situation. And 